Applications for the Techstars Tech Central Sydney Accelerator Class of 2024 are closing on the 22nd of May. I'm Kirsten Hunter, the Managing Director of Techstars Sydney, and I'm looking for diverse and unstoppable founders who are using technology to solve the world's biggest problems to join this Accelerator cohort. The 12 successful businesses will get access to our 13-week mentor-driven accelerator, $120,000 US investment, and access to the Techstars network for life. Head to our Accelerator webpage to learn more and to apply. Hi, I'm Adam Spencer, founder of the Day One Network, which is bringing the history of the Australian startup ecosystem to you. I believe in founders. It's why I do everything I do at Day One and our media company, W2D1 Media. And that's why the Day One Network exists, to create helpful content for founders. We've got some great shows in development, but a large part of what we do couldn't be done without support from our partners and sponsors. And I couldn't be happier than to be working with NTP, who get community better than any other technology recruitment company out there. A Newcastle company like mine, NTP, are invested in seeing the growth of the local tech community in Newcastle, Sydney, and more broadly, Australia. So thank you, NTP, for helping us bring helpful content to founders and the startup community in Australia. Back to the interview. Hi, I'm Adam Spencer, and welcome to Day One, the podcast that spotlights Australian startups, founders, and the organizations that empower Australian entrepreneurship. We go back to the beginning to tell the story of Australia's most inspiring founders and how they built their companies. You're listening to a special interview series as part of a documentary W2D1 is producing about the history of the Australian startup ecosystem. On the episode today, we have... Hi, I'm Joshua Flannery. Call me Josh. I'm the founder of a company called Innovation Dojo, and I focus on all things innovation going across borders. So uh, when did you first get involved in, you know, inverted commas, the startup ecosystem? Right. So I guess unofficially, I was first involved in a startup in Australia back in uh, 2004. And so I was working uh, as a sales or biz dev rep for an ed tech uh, company called Learning Information Systems, uh, better known as StudyLink. So they're they're basically a SaaS company for universities to manage their international student applications. So uh, I was working for them down in uh, St. Leonard's in on the north side of Sydney, uh, but I, I don't. I wouldn't really call that being part of an ecosystem. We were sort of isolated down there, and it probably wasn't until fast forward to 2012 when I uh, scored the the gig as the first official startup support guy at the University of New South Wales. That I, I feel like I was properly. Uh, in in the ecosystem or part of it. So so 2012. Yeah. That seems to be around the time uh, people that I've been speaking to say that things really kicked off. You know, fish burners started that year. A whole lot of other things all coincided. Hmm. From your perspective, though, what did the ecosystem look like at that time? Like, what was visible to you? Who who were visible? What organisations were kind of grabbing your attention? I guess it was a, a pretty skewed view 
from from my side because I was I was working a for a university who uh, I guess among a lot of universities were trying to find their place in the ecosystem. The other kind of thing that skewed my view was I was not in the central business district, which is where a lot of the um, I guess corporate backed and sponsored initiatives like your uh, like your fish burners and then some of the early accelerators that started coming out, a lot of the um, higher profile co-working spaces, they're all in and around the CBD. And we were sort of close enough <laughs> to, to for people to know who we were, but far enough away to be sort of almost a sub ecosystem in, in its own down in Kensington there. I, I guess... Our lens was twofold. One was, you know, how do we integrate what we're doing with the more mainstream part of the ecosystem that was happening in the CBD? And the other part was, I think in 2012, around that time, there were three universities, at least, that I knew of that came out with their own version of startup support. I mean, there were um, entrepreneurship-themed academic classes before that, but to have actual dedicated staff looking after startups that were were not part of a sort of academic credit course, um, that was the year, I think, that they started to come out. So there was James Alexander down at Incubate on on the the, uh, Sydney Uni campus. Um, There was me in Kensington and then... There was um, Rowan uh, McCarthy, I think his surname is, uh, down in uh, University of Melbourne uh, with the MAP program. I think the, the three of us all came out with different versions of, of inverted commas, formal startup support programs, uh, whether they be accelerators, incubators or something in between. That That was a kind of interesting time too because there was this tension between the type of people running those programs like Rowan, James and I were very much, you know, about let's let's collaborate. How do we make the pie bigger for everyone? And yet universities by nature at the time were not exactly collaborating with each other. And there was a bit of an elbows up culture. So it was a really interesting time where I suppose People at our level running the startup programs were sort of seen by the uni as the the, the breakaway rebels. You know, why are you going across and, and chat having coffee with the enemy um, when we're just trying to connect the dots for the the uh, the startups that we're supporting? Yeah, and then there's just the piece about not being in in the city, which um, was was always interesting, and I think it led to maybe some dislocation from a lot of stuff that was going on um, in the city. But then at the same time, it justified us investing in like a whole lot of great resources for for people around our little UNSW ecosystem too. So yeah, it was was a really fascinating and fun, fun time. Why did you take on the role of director at at, uh, Sydney Startup Hub? Yeah. Um, so, uh, I had come to the end of about six or six and a half years at, at the University of New South Wales. 
And it had gotten to the point where I think we, we'd supported something around the number of uh, 700 or so different companies. We had a, a full suite of programs. So it wasn't just standalone accelerators. It was a proper triaged funnel of, of companies from different stages and, and, you know, even a wider funnel of education above that. So I felt like I had sort of graduated from university work in, in, in that <laughs> sense. Sorry, that was a bad pun. Um, <laughs> um, and I, I, I wanted to sort of do something with a, a, a wider impact than that, that sort of microcosm there. Even though it was huge, it was still limited in you know, the, the impact that you could have on, on Sydney or New South Wales more broadly. And so, some of the, the best or, or the most enjoyable stuff that I did with Uni of New South Wales was when we did go and collaborate with other acceler- accelerators or we brought angel groups or um, even other university players to us or we went to them. And I felt like I wanted to do a lot more of that kind of um, breaking down barriers and trying to accelerate connectivity um, on, on a bigger scale. And that Sydney Startup Hub at the time was sort of screaming, well, that's the, that's the role of a hub like that. And so, yeah, I, I, was, um, I was really stoked to have, have landed that role. And, and we did some interesting things. So we, we actually brought in a virtual internship program that placed uh, students uh, of that, that were part of the Sydney School of Entrepreneurship. And they were actually sourced from all universities and TAFEs in New South Wales uh, to come through this simulation of working for a startup. And so we'd, we'd picked startups out of Sydney Startup Hub, real ones, and, and set up real startup-like work tasks. And I think there was, while I was there, there was about one and a half thousand internships that happened via that program. And that kind of stuff was, to me, what was missing. So sort of tying, for example, the talent pool to the to the big hubs of, of the startups, that there were a lot of individual programs, but nothing really formal that overlaid the sort of state ecosystem. So that kind of thing was, um, was what I was motivated to do while I was there. Can, can you, I don't know if, if you can, but can you speak to a bit about the history of how this Sydney Startup Hub came to be? And if not, just just maybe why you think it was such an important, why was it so important for the Sydney ecosystem to have mm. that physical place? Yeah. Yeah, look, so um, I, I think this is a question that that, that sort of has many fathers. <laughs> it, the, the, the initiative itself has many fathers. And, and so my really oversimplified version of how it came to be was, number one, Sydney rent you know, space for co-working spaces and, and anywhere that a startup would, would have to pay for anywhere close to the CBD was just ridiculously expensive um, and getting worse and worse. And so representatives from some of the key 
um, players like uh, your Stone and Chalks and your Fishburners, they basically got together and lobbied the government, basically articulating that, look, if the government's serious about growing the economy and really believes what they're printing about tech and and high-tech companies being the future of, of the economy, then you've got to help us out here because it, it's just not a feasible model for a startup to pay this kind of rent. Um, if we if we really want to have that densities that's required for an ecosystem to work properly, and so I think that was the the seed, and then there was a, a lot that happened on the government side. Long story short, they landed on this amazingly conveniently situated building uh beautiful spot lots of hidden challenges under the bonnet i probably shouldn't get into too much of that <laughs> but um let's just say uh re- real estate can be real estate ownership can be complicated and and that led to uh i i think also a lot of restrictions to do with the hub um, in terms of, you know, the hours it operates, some of the things it can and can't do, which which seem like no-brainers from the outside. But if you're sort of on the, on the other side and seeing the actual real estate contracts and, and things like that, it's, it's a bit easier to understand that it's actually not necessarily someone in government with their arms crossed saying computer says no. It's um, it's it's actually like that. It's a bit more complicated, and and um, you know, it it does it does bear to question. You know, was that the best location because of those restrictions? But you know, it's hard to say. Who who would know? I mean, for me, the fact that it was right above Wynyard Station, and they managed to get those um already popular co-working spaces. To move in there, they basically growth hacked having a population of startups in a in one building, with multiple brands of co working space and accelerators. And I think that was the that was always going to be the biggest risk that it was empty, and so they at least ticked that box. And then there was a lot of other problems that you know I think people are talking about now, but yeah, I, I mean I think overall it was still the right thing to do. And then, you know, retrospect is is always good to nitpick on, on what could be improved. It seems to me that most of your career, you've been jumping between Australia and Japan. Yeah. Can you, just drawing on that, you know, unique perspective, mm-hmm. what do you think we're doing really well in, in our ecosystem here in Australia? Yeah. Yeah, so I think we are doing the... Uh, the talent side very well. We're normalizing the idea of an entrepreneurial career path pretty well. It's not sort of seen as dodgy as it once was if you're working in a startup now. And so I I think there's a lot of talented people that, you know, maybe five, 10 years ago would never have thought it you know, a legit career option to go and work for a little startup that was unproven. And I think we we have done a good job at changing that positioning and sort of combining that with the whole future of work rhetoric and, um, you know, people working portfolio jobs, 
portfolio careers and and more often than not one of those jobs that they're working is to do with startups now so i think the the kind of human resource piece of the ecosystem in australia probably punches above its weight given the relatively small population we have yeah that 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 i think is our strongest piece and on the flip side of that yeah a, I, either A, like what are the gaps that you observe just, just generally and B, what can we learn from the, the Japanese ecosystem? Yeah, so ironically what um, Australia is good at, Japan isn't very good at yet. Going into startups as a career is, is still outrageous to some. You know, I think it's to do with risk mitigation-led thinking that's sort of embedded in the Japanese culture. You know, it's it's a much smaller segment of people that are comfortable working in startups. But what they do have that um, knocks us out of the water is massive, massive corporate participation in, in the startup ecosystem in many different ways. Billions and billions going in from corporates into the innovation ecosystem, whether that be via corporate venture capital funds or mergers and acquisitions, so many opportunities to do pilot proof of concept programs with conglomerates that, you know, many of which are are bigger than the biggest of our, our corporates. They've got lots of capital moving around. They, they are missing, I think, that, that earlier stage angel angel investment piece um, it's there but it's it's much less developed but yeah I think just the fact that they've got so much cash um, and and you know companies that have startup MA in their strategies in their corporate strategies it makes Japan as a market really attractive even to foreign startups so there's a lot more startups coming from around the world into the Japan market. And that, I think, in turn is raising the bar for the local startups in terms of being competitive on a global level because the the competition's coming to them, whereas I feel like that is still developing in Australia I, I don't think Australia's made up as its mind whether it really wants foreign startups to come in yet. We're, we're still focused on creating and, and growing our own best. So I, I guess there's just different levels of maturity in different parts of, of those ecosystems, which is interesting. I want to ask you the advice question. What one piece of advice would you give a, a brand new founder? that came to you that would help them not fail? If you're just talking about a, a fundamental skill to practice and and to to sort of nurture and try and get as good as you can at, it's, it's just really proactive listening. Um, and, and I think it sounds like a no-brainer and it sounds like something you should be doing anyway for, for all relationships in your life. But it's it's just amazing um, how many people are not very good at really trying to listen and read the person on the other side of the table in in business context, especially in startups. 
and because we we spend we, we focus a lot on perfecting our pitch and our elevator pitch and you know our VC pitch and you know um, articulating our business model canvas and all that stuff sometimes what happens is people just that they they start to confuse listening with waiting for the other person to stop talking so they can speak (laughs) (laughs) um and and it's just i mean it's really it sounds like something you would tell a child but it's it really is a skill like to 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 i think listen properly and digest and don't rush to uh to jump on what you want to say so i think if, if it was a first time founder um i think if you're good at that um you're already ahead of a lot of your of your competition just to wrap up the interview today uh, the last question isn't really a question it's an opportunity i guess uh, this ecosystem series that we're trying to put together here we i want everyone from all corners of the ecosystem to hear policymakers, academics, founders, investors, and just keeping that in mind that, that those are the people that we want to hear this story. What would you want to tell them? Um, like what's top of mind? What's the conversation you think that we need to be having? Maybe that we aren't. Yeah. So I, I think the big thing for me is global perspective in, in everything we do. So, I mean, for years and years, there's been a lot of rhetoric and, and even programs and grants from governments, universities, private sector around um, startups thinking globally and, and, and thinking about global opportunities while they're acting locally. But I don't think there, that there are enough role models um, or, or at least those role models and case studies of how people have done that and what it actually means have been shared with the, the, the ecosystem. And so what we end up doing is creating brilliant little solutions to very local problems. Whereas we are a relatively small country in terms of population. And because we're also a relatively rich country, we can be distracted by early traction of revenue without really digging into you know how global is this problem that i'm solving and if i want to make uh, the next atlassian or the next you know canva do people outside of my little ecosystem and and my country have the same issue so um, I, I, I just hope that there, there are ways that we can help the next generations of founders to get out of Australia during the, the process of testing their ideas and validating their, um, their MVPs. Um, because I think, you know, it's, it's time now that we start as the norm, creating gl- like true global startups, looking at global customers, you know, in a systematic way. I hope you enjoyed that interview. More interviews are on the way. Follow the podcast wherever you're listening right now. Stay tuned for more interviews with many, many more amazing people from the Australian startup ecosystem. Thanks for listening and see you next time.